before we get going on today's podcast, I want to tell you about the first virtual clinic of the offseason, which takes place December 8th through 12th. It's the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Clinic. And you can find that information at ihsfca.coachesclinic.com. I'm going to be having some guests who were former head coaches at Illinois. Lou Tepper, Ron Turner, and Ron Zook. Ron is currently a senior analyst at Maryland as well. Those guys are going to be joining me on the podcast, and we'll have some other guests from Illinois, speakers at that clinic. Uh, That clinic is headlined by Mike Loxley from Maryland and Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern, one you definitely want to check out. I think it's an outstanding lineup of college and high school coaches. Again, December 8th through 12th, ihsfca.coachesclinic.com. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Craig Stutzman, who is now the co-offensive coordinator at Washington State. When we recorded this podcast from our archives, he was at Hawaii, and he joins us to talk about his spread and shred offense. I know it's one you're going to like. Check it out. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. The summer is moving quickly, and before you know it, it'll be time to report for training camp. This brand new series, which we are calling our training camp series, is designed to help you prepare for and take you through training camp. During this series, we will feature a number of FBS and FCS coaches who have all shared different ideas, processes, and thoughts on how to run and develop training camps. We try to get perspective on everything from how much conditioning to put into your players to how they handle their installs to how effectively communicate with players during what's really the hardest part of the entire football season. We hope you enjoy this series. Now let's send it over to today's guests. We continue with our training camp series, and joining me today on the podcast is the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at the University of Hawaii, Craig Stutzman. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me on, Keith. Well, coach, I told you before we got going, this is also um, a, a, uh, a landmark for us as we now have interviewed a coach from all 50 states in the United States. So Hawaii had been the one <laughs> eluding us on the podcast, and so it's great to finally have somebody from Hawaii talking ball with us. Well, I'm excited to, to join you and talk football and, uh, you know, be the, the, the last day, the 50th state, and be the person to, to represent and, and be the first for you. So uh, I'm excited to get this going and, and, you know, talk football. Absolutely. And as I said, we're going to put a focus on – uh, things that matter right now during this time of the year, things that relate to camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get going with that, though, I, I also think you have a very interesting background and just how you've grown through this profession, starting with uh, coaching at the the high school level and, and working your way up through there. Uh, you had played at uh, Hawaii. You were a slot receiver there uh, for your letterman. Uh, but from there, you you got into the high school level. So talk to us a little bit about First of all, making that transition and, and really, I mean, I guess, you know, coaching ball in your state, um, you know, you guys right. are, are different, especially as you get into, you know, coaching at the level you're at right now. I mean, it's, it's not a very quick trip to get anywhere. No, it's not. And it's funny because uh, when I got done playing football, I never really thought about coaching. It was about uh, maybe going to New York and, and, you know, getting to being a stockbroker, my family, you know, my dad's side of the families, uh, we got some stockbrokers there and, um, I was thinking about doing that or, or maybe joining, 
you know, the Secret Service. Uh, that always intrigued me. Um, so I was kind of going through a little bit of a, I guess, early life crisis, right? You know, what do you do when football's done? Mm-hmm. Um, and my former coaches, Coach June Jones and Coach Ron Lee, uh, who was my receivers coach here, and he was my high school co- offensive coordinator, um, you know, really had talked me into getting to coaching because uh, Tony Tuioti, who's now the Nebraska defensive line coach, he took a high school job here at a small public school called Kala Hill High School, and he asked me to be the offensive coordinator and put in the run and shoot. And I said, you know what, I, I don't think I have time for it. Um, I don't know if that's what I want to do. And he said, well, there's a teaching job attached to it. And so, you know, I said, I, I, I'm going into the, the HPD to try to get into the Secret Service. But um, I just had talked to Coach Jones and, and Coach Ron maybe, you know, in passing one day. And I told them about the opportunity to possibly coach. And, and they said, you know what, you can always go, you know, get a gun and a badge. And, and why don't you try coaching? It's a great opportunity. It's a no pressure situation. Uh, you love the game. You understood it, you know, from the ground level up. I, I played in the run and shoot uh, at high school at St. Louis High School since, what is it, eighth or ninth grade. And and so um, they said, why don't you try it? I think you love it. You know, and, and here – at the University of Hawaii, I wasn't the most athletic guy, so I had to really rely on understanding the offense, and and uh, I think that has helped me translate to being a coach because, you know, uh, I think many times the, the guys who are the superb athletes, they don't really – they kind of react to a lot of things rather than think about, um, you know, maybe situationally or, or technique a lot, uh, where that's something that I had to really focus in on. And so, um, you know, long story short, I went to go help install the run and shoot, said, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to come for spring ball. And, and after the first day, I was hooked. <laughs> you know, I, I told Tony, I said, hey, Tony, about that teaching job? He said, yep, it's still open. I need mean, love to do it. So uh, that's how I got started. And, and coaching high school was, it was great. I mean, I think you really get to develop your own voice, you know, rather than maybe just being a GA right off the bat. For me, I felt like it gave me the opportunity to, how do I interact with, with the players, with the student athletes? Um, you know, my own coaching style, I never really had anybody to, to mimic or emulate other than Coach Jones and Coach Ron, which were great guys. I mean, very positive. So I think um, the, the biggest thing that, that I like to do is try to stay positive and, and really uh, set a standard of excellence and then go from there. So the high school thing was great. I got a chance to go to coach at St. Louis High School after that, where, I, where I'm an alumni. Um, I got to run into a great player by the name of Marcus Mariota, and he really changed the way that I thought about quarterback play. You know, I went there as the uh, uh, junior varsity head coach and ran the offense, and and having Marcus there really changed the way about having, you know, an athlete back there who was able to extend plays, um, throw from different platforms. You know, we also did some early stages of RPOs and understanding zone read, and, and so really – that kind of uh, spawned the idea of doing some RPOs, uh, some zone reach stuff, integrating to the run and shoot, which uh, is, is some of the things that we do now here at the University of Hawaii. And then from there, you did go on to get a graduate assistant job. First, you were at Hawaii, which is, I believe, where you met uh, Nick Rolovich, the, currently your head coach. Um, talk to us a little bit about after being at the high school level, and then stepping into mm-hmm. that graduate position, assistant position. Because a lot of times, um, when you look at those positions, a guy comes straight out of playing and right into coaching. Right. And 
and there's a huge difference between the two. I think you got to to learn it differently than the typical progression of of you know playing ball at a big school, getting a GA there, and and moving on from that from it that way. Right, and and you know, there's many different obstacles. Everybody has has their own path, but you know that path was was a difficult one too because you go from being um, a head coach and you know, running your own offense and doing your own plays. And there's opportunity to be a, a varsity head coach that same off season when the, the GA job opened up here at the University of Hawaii. But being able to go back into a role where, you know, you're on the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to really hear the ideas. You know, you're you're there to break down film. You're there to grab coffee, make coffee, and and, you know, do the grunt work. And so it was a humbling experience. Um, but it teaches you, you know, a different type of grind, um, you know, doing whatever it needs to be, uh, having a servant attitude and, and really, you know, just humbling yourself and doing what you got to do to, to make it. Um, and a lot of times, you know, graduate assistants, you got to go back to your playing days, you know, when you're a freshman, Hey, you're on the bottom of the totem pole, you're out there, you're trying to grind, you're trying to show other people that, that you got a great work ethic. And, you know, after you, you show them that great work ethic, then all of a sudden, you know, your talents of maybe your thoughts and ideas, uh, somebody may ask you something like that. So uh, the other thing, too, like you said, I got a chance to work with um, Nick Rolovich, who we played together at the University of Hawaii. Uh, so we got a chance to work together. And also um, our offense coordinator here, Brian Smith, who was the offensive line coach that year when I was a GA. And so uh, you know, I think all our wives at that time, whether they had known each other in the past a little bit, I think that also kind of solidified, um, you know, the, the, the wise side of things about, hey, you know, this is a tight knit group and, and eventually it'd be great to all work together one day. And so, you know, fast forward to where we are now, we're all working uh, together. We do a great job. I think uh, a lot of our egos are set aside, you know, there's no egos in the room. We talk about things, we work through things and, and our wives are great friends and, and it creates a, a great culture that, that Rolo really um, has done here with our players. And I think when it comes top down, you know, it's easier to, to create a great culture here um, at the university of Hawaii. But I think that was, that was the real, I think uh, it got me out of my comfort zone to be a GA here at the university of Hawaii. And then after that, I got my first full-time job, uh, in a run shoot at Portland State where Jerry Glanville was the head coach. Obviously, Coach Jones was very instrumental in getting me that job there, and I coached receivers for the season. Unfortunately, we got we got let go um, at the end of that season, and I took a graduate assistant job again, uh, this time at the University of Hawaii, where I got in touch with um, Aaron Price, Mike Price's uh, oldest son, and the connection there, my best friend from high school, Jason Gesser, who played at Washington State, for Mike Price and Aaron Price and uh, Eric Price. I'm sorry, Eric Price was who the offense coordinator at Memphis was. And that really opened up my mind to uh, more than just the run and shoot, you know, different personnel groupings, uh, one back offense, uh, play action, you know, power, one back power, um, you know, just uh, a lot of different keepers, play action, makers, all that type of stuff. So uh, I, and then also getting to know coaches from different parts of the country, you know, here in Hawaii, you're so isolated. Uh, you don't get a chance to really connect well with a lot of coaches in the mainland. So 
uh, that was my time to really get out there and get to meet different guys and how to interact with people from different parts of the country. And um, it was a wonderful experience. It was tough being so far away from home. But uh, like you said, I was born and raised here in Hawaii, uh, played at the University of Hawaii. So being able to, to be thousands of miles away and, uh, and grow, uh, you know, as a football coach and also mature as a, as a young man at the time. And then, you know, as a husband and father was great. So, um, you know, and then, and along the way, getting here to the University of Hawaii, like you said, I coached at uh, D3 Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Emory and Henry, I was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach there prior to coming here. And also uh, in the big sky, Weber State and Portland, and Portland State. So, uh, you know, coaching high school to D3 to 1AA SCS to now uh, Division One FBS, it's been uh, a wonderful I guess, journey uh, for myself and my family, professionally, spiritually. Um, so it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a great journey so far. Hopefully it just keeps on going. What, what was interesting in you telling your story you know, from the football side of things is how you learned different things um, you know, at Memphis, at, you know, coaching Marcus Mariota, getting into RPOs, just those different things, how you know, it all comes together to, to form and, and evolve into the system which you run today and I know it's still very heavy in uh, you know the, the run and shoot influences but you've also been right. able to mesh that with other philosophies other uh, ways of attacking a defense uh, I know at Emory and Henry you called it the spread and shred uh, but the idea was right. you didn't want to get pigeonholed into we're only a passing team or we only do this that it correct was, it was the kind of the evolution how all those things came together from your different spots probably to exactly where you are today. Correct. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny because um, not only did it really open our, our you know, my mind to uh, say different types of systems or plays, but like you said, how to attack, you know, a specific uh, person or, or coverage or, or blitz, you know, in, in a way that we never saw before and just, exclusively 10 personnel, you know, and then so now being able to see how different people do things. And then also you see coverages and variations of coverages, different parts of the country, you know, mm -hmm. and it, and it's now with the internet and now with, uh, I think the network has gotten a little bit tighter and people are a little bit more open to sharing ideas. Um, now you see a lot of these, these, uh, you know, coverages or defense or some things that you may, I may have seen in the conference or say now it's it's getting out west or or you know it's it's just all over the place so um being able to think of how to defeat certain things the other thing too now what it has allowed is for say when i talk to another coach who coaches in the nfl or coaches at another school that doesn't run the running shoot that's just different because i don't think there's too many people in the country that run the running shoot anymore you know when they talk about their offense i'm able to understand it and really pick out maybe a a concept or or the detail of a play and kind of tweak it and we're able to now run that in the run and shoot and how does it match what we do to take advantage of maybe a certain type of defense we're going to face this coming season so i i guess being able to go different places you, you really get to decode a lot of different type of football and and how you can pull from uh from those resources and and now integrate into what we do here i don't want to get a, a ton into scheme uh, at this time of the year, but I think what would be interesting, and and again with that run and shoot background and how 
you know, the, the run and shoot in its purest form is, is a lot of uh, adjustment on the run for the receivers, understanding what the defense is doing and then being able to find the soft spots in the defense. So I know this offseason, this past offseason, we talked uh, to quite a few people on this podcast. We wrote quite a few articles on our website uh, about match mm-hmm. coverage and the different types of match coverage, where, whether it's man match or zone match. Um, in seeing those different techniques employed in – and, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the various coverages that come out of it, how has, uh, I guess, the technique or the thought process or the decision-making evolved for the way you're going to attack the game with the pass? Right. I mean, you really got to take your hats off to defensive coaches. I mean, the, the way that they've um, evolved and got to, to do certain things, and, and it's it's – it's tough. I mean, it's not as easy as, as it used to be. I think, and you just vanilla cover three, cover two quarters, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So now with a lot of these match coverages, um, you know, it does, I guess, make us have to think a little differently. However, uh, the beauty of the run and shoot is, you know, our guys, whether it's the quarterback or it's the receivers, they're only supposed to read their part of the coverage. And I say this all the time especially if you're going versus zone defenses, you know, defensive players are tied to strings, whether it's gap integrity or it's also uh, on the back end with coverages. They got to defend certain parts of the field. So if your eyes are right and say a defender's taking away this part of the concept, theoretically the other part of that concept should be open. And I think just being, you know, just trusting. We, we talk about the word trust religiously here it's a big thing you have to trust your coaches you have to trust your technique you have to trust your eyes um you know i think that the windows are getting a little tighter i think there's a uh, the athletes are getting a lot faster in the back end and coaches are getting their eyes right as well and being able to attach to to players rather and the receivers rather than just defend zones has made it a lot more difficult but that's where again uh, you know, us as, as run and shoot guys and as football coaches on the offensive side of the field, we can't be stubborn. We have to be also evolving with the times. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I get a chance to visit with Matt LaFleur with the Green Bay Packers. He's a good friend of mine. You know, they do a lot of things that take advantage of, of match defense. So go up there, study it, see how we can draw from that and how are some of our plays that we have or some of the plays that they have and how can we kind of integrate it and put it more in a run and shoot thought process for our players to execute. And so, um, you know, it, it really, the defensive guys with, with running those type of coverages has forced us to get out of just our, our, our comfort zone and, and really push the envelope more, which, which as a coach is exciting. And I think players uh, like that. I think they get bored with this doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, so us as coaches coming in every season, uh, with a couple of new wrinkles, I think just kind of breeds life into our offense. Well, Coach, let's get into uh, the install and, and talk a little bit about how you go about essentially creating this trust. You said it's a big part of, of what you guys do on right. offense. And um, certainly that style of play isn't necessarily what your guys are coming in with an understanding of it. More and more teams certainly run the spread and understand those kinds of things, but uh, maybe not some of the run and shoot concepts. So um, let's talk about that just from the beginning as, as you, you uh, start to work with your players and you know, you're in charge of the quarterbacks and the passing game, but let's focus on the quarterbacks. 
you know, what things okay. do you really address in that first meeting to get things going as you kick off uh, your season? Really, it's about just setting the standard of what we want from the quarterback room. Um, and we tell them, you know, the first thing we go in there, we have a PowerPoint, uh, we talk through some things. And, and the first thing is we want to be the best position group in the country because quarterback play, you know, it's, it's kind of like golf, right? It, you're playing against the field. It, it's one person, although it's a team sport, you really have one player that's out there that represents your position. And a lot of things uh, revolves around that. So how can we get the quarterback room to understand the team aspect and, and really helping each other out? Um, so we want to be the best quarterback uh, position group in the country. And how do we do that? We talk about being humble, you know, having a humble attitude. You see, I, I look through Twitter and you see a list of things where, and it's great, these coaches talk about the things that you can control. And one of which is your attitude and having, having a positive attitude. That's something that we talk about all the time. And using magnetic words with your teammates, things that draw them in rather than create you as an outcast. You know, and how do you, um, how do you build that relationship and the trust with your teammates? And how do you talk to them? Because in the run and shoot, and we talked about this, and you touched upon it, you know, these receivers are, are making different type of reads, and they're, it's, a, it's an option route-based uh, system. So they have to talk to their receivers and gather information from them. Hey, what did you see? How did you see that coverage? What kind of leverage did that person have on top of you? You know, and so uh, I think just being able to use magnetic words, being positive, and how to talk to players. That's a big thing in our room is, is using those magnetic words. Another thing is being hardworking, the effort that you put in, be the first guy out there. We, we pride ourselves on being the first group out there to warm up and get ready to go and um, talking to those guys. You know, you don't have to throw footballs at the end of practice to be the last guy out there, but, you know, work on your craft. You miss a couple of throws here or you miss a couple of reads, grab a couple of receivers, Hey, do you mind catching me a couple balls from me? I, I missed a couple uh, bang posts. Can you give me a few bang posts and let me get it right? So, um, and in 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 the weight room, uh, you know, our starting quarterback right now, Cole McDonald, is a guy who is the first in the weight room. He's there six to seven times a week, and uh, he puts the grind in. And and so, you know, it's not just on the football field. You know, you can display that hardworking attitude, but it's also in the weight room. It's it's in the uh, in the classroom. You know, it's inside of the, uh, uh, in the study hall area. So most things are very important to us. Uh, the other thing we talk about all the time is being efficient as a player, making good decisions and eventually making good throws. I think, you know, Dan Morrison, who is a quarterback coach here under June Jones, who's a great, great resource for me right now. Uh, that's one of his models is just good decisions and good throws. And we live by that. That's put up in, in our meeting room. Um, being flexible. This offense requires a quarterback, not just talking about physically, but mentally and emotionally, being able to roll with the punches, being flexible with their mind, understanding that every play is a new play. You know, uh, three match or three buzz or three roll or all this type of stuff. Yes, on the whiteboard, it looks a certain way. But at the same time, we're playing against other 18 to 23-year-old kids out there, you know, Things are going to break down or things are going to be a little bit tighter than, than what you might have seen on film. But being able to be flexible, they're a quarters team. All of a sudden, they come out with man-to-man -man and they run three double clouds and third and long. 
being flexible, be, being able to understand that you got to go and adjust with the times. Um, and then really, I think all those things really leads you to being a competitive, a competitive, but also a dependable person. Um, what's, what's the, uh, the chiefs or I'm sorry, the head coach for the Arizona state, uh, Sun Devils, Herm Edwards, right? Yep. I think Herm is yeah. it Herm Edwards. Yeah, it's Herm. He, he talks about, right. He, he talks about, uh, in the NFL, what's the number one ability is availability, right? I think that's his saying. In our quarterback room, the number one ability is dependability. Everybody's got to depend on you to make the right choices and exemplify what it is to be a good person. And I think uh, those things are, are huge for us. We talk about that day one. And, uh, and, and the biggest thing, too, is communication, being able to communicate not just with your players or, sorry, with your teammates, but also with your coaches. Um, I think, you know, Matt LaFleur talks about all the time is the biggest thing that you, you want your quarterback to be as an extension of your coaching staff. And so um, being able to communicate with the quarterback and how they communicate also with their teammates and what they want and what we want ultimately to be uh, the best team that we can be. Coach, I want to take a step back there to the to the beginning, and uh, you talked about the magnetic words, and you know the yes the standard you want to set with those guys because I've seen it before. You know, especially younger players. You know, you think of the high school player um, trying to be. You know, the intention is to be a positive force out there and help the team, but then it comes off as like really negative, and uh, you know, just guys yelling, and sometimes. Maybe that's reflected in, in what the, the coach does a little bit. But for you, as right. especially in the beginning, it's so important. I've talked to mm-hmm. several coaches already uh, on, on this preseason portion of uh, our show about you know being able to see some of those behaviors, being able to see guys doing it the right way and calling it out, especially for those guys who are new in your program, to set those standards and, and to help them understand it's a – a part of who we are. So for you, you know, how are you going about making sure that you're reinforcing those things when, when they're doing it right and, and you're helping them maybe making some of those corrections early on so that you do get them uh, to communicate with each other in a certain way. Right. Uh, you know, coach Rolovich does a great job. I think that guy, uh, he is the biggest uh, person that will grab the quarterback or one of those players and say, Hey, that's not how we do things around here. You know, and so it comes top down and you never see him yelling at dudes and going out of, out of control. Um, and, and I think when you have a head coach that acts that way and you have a coaching staff that acts the way, like you said, I think the kids, the, the players, they understand like, Hey, this is not the way it is here at the university of Hawaii. Um, however, there are some moments where, you know, competitive juices are flowing a uh, guy wants to be a starter, you know, maybe a receiver runs the wrong route or, or offensive lineman, you know, he sets the wrong way and all of a sudden he's got a free guy coming off the edge uh, and he kind of just loses his cool a little bit. You know, the biggest thing I like to do is is walk over to those guys and put my arm around them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, and, and let them verbalize what the frustration is. You know, I think a, a lot of times as coaches, we try to assume what they're what they're frustrated with or what they think. Uh, biggest thing for me is communication. I want to know what's going on. Hey, what happened? Oh, coach, you know, busted the route. You should have ran a post. You hit a corner or whatever it is. You know, hey, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. Why don't you go talk to him? Go ask him what he saw. Why did he make the mistake? And help him out. You know, and I think that's the thing as quarterbacks. 
I think if you have an attitude where you're going to encourage and help those guys out, it's different when you just point out what they did wrong. I think it's it maybe it comes from uh, having a coach like that and Coach Jones where you know it was never about discouraging; it was about encouraging and also teaching those guys. Every moment that somebody does a mistake, it's a teachable moment. So, um, you know, and sometimes those guys might use you know profanity or they might use a, a word that you don't really hey there's a better way to communicate that. Why don't you go and tell them this rather than say that? You know what I mean? Um, so it, it's kind of funny because I can't really think off the top of my head of a specific example, but the biggest thing I like to do is just go over there, put my arm around them, hey, yeah. what's going on, and, and just tell them, hey, go talk to them. You know, you were in that spot once too. You know, you don't make all the right choices all the time. Remember that, you know. How do how do your coaches, how do I, how did you team? And, and the other thing too now is if it's, off the field, like say something happens and, you know, we move into the next drill, uh, call them in the office and just remind them, Hey, you know, you said this because sometimes those guys don't remember what came out of their mouth, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a, hey, you know, you said that, right. Oh my gosh. I said that. Yeah. I mean, dude, you can't be saying that kind of stuff. And oh, I know, why don't you go down there, you know, at a training table, go down there, you know, grab them one of those those desserts, or grab them an extra drink down there. Go walk over, sit with them, and just say, hey, "I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to lose my cool." You know, just I think when you come off and show the human side of who you are, uh, I think it really breaks down a lot of the different things that might be going on. Which because the receiver too might just be like, "Oh, that guy's a jerk." You know what I mean? But he doesn't understand that this quarterback is trying to be the number one guy. Maybe he's trying to win the starting spot, whatever it is, but. And, and what it does is from a moment where it could be disastrous all of a sudden, those guys create a, uh, a better bond and, and maybe a friendship out of it. So uh, always trying to find, you know, make ways uh, to make lemonade out of lemons, I guess. Yeah, well, now, thank you for, for pointing that out. And I know you couldn't think of a specific example, but your explanation was great there. And, and so important to what we do as coaches, but also in, you know, developing those player-to-player bonds that we can really help facilitate that if if we're coaching that up too um swinging things over a little bit more to the technical side coach uh, i know Mm -hmm. as a quarterback coach uh you're always working with different groups and sometimes you have to create and look for the opportunities during practice before practice after practice to maybe work on the fundamentals a little bit with your quarterbacks their throwing mechanics their footwork those kinds of things how are you uh, d- developing uh, your guys fundamentally, uh, especially as camp begins. Right. You know, it's, it's like you said, it's tough, especially at the division one level. You, you're not allowed to work with those guys with football in the off season, you know, so physically you're a little bit uh, limited and you have to rely on, you know, possibly or not possibly a lot of times, right. Your quarterbacks in college, they have that, that quarterback coach that they have on the side, whether it's their high school coach or somebody that they work with, um, so creating a good relationship with the guys that they work with in the off season. And, um, and those guys are great too. They'll say, Hey coach, you know, what does Cole need to work on or what does Chevy need to work on and being able to just let them know, Hey, you know, they got to work on this. They got to work on that. And those guys are very receptive and they start working on that stuff with those guys. And you see them coming back to camp and, and a lot of times it's cleaned up. You know, I think uh, before we even talking about fundamentals, it's really in the recruiting process, you know, we try to look for things that we feel are non-negotiables that would be hard to really coach up in the season or in just fall camp, you know. So big things for us is finding guys that are they're accurate, guys that throw with anticipation, guys that 
are a little bit fluid, but more twitchy than anything that has some kind of mobility. You know, I always say I want a guy that's more Muhammad Ali than George Foreman in the pocket throwing the football as a quarterback. Uh, so those are some things that we, we look for. And then either talking about developmental in, I would say in camp, we spend a lot of our time or our, our let's say quarterback individual time just comes during the special team uh, indie period, their special teams periods, because uh, when we have our indie period, we spend that whole time with the receivers throwing routes versus air. So, you know, we got to spend that special teams, grab that time and really work on things. And the things that we work on in camp is, well, I should say our drills that specifically uh, translate to their reads and our half row and footwork. So, we probably spend about 75% of the time, you know, working in the pocket. Um, say we have some kind of specific, say the go route, we're going to work on that, the fundamentals of the go route and how we're going to move defenders with their eyes or how we're going to identify a man versus zone or where the ball, uh, uh, how are we going to shuffle set on a break back and all those sort of things. So um, a lot of it has to do with getting their eyes right Um you know, making those throws, but also identifying and and reading, if you will, and using techniques uh, to beat defenders. Um, so it kind of just plays off of the concepts that we're installing. I would say uh, the other things that we do too is every morning we'll go out there for a warm up. Uh, I like to integrate um, our half roll warm up with you know whether we do. A quick three foot work, a tempo three foot work, or we're getting backside and just working those different type of feel and developing that and also warming up the rotator cuff as we're kind of doing it. And, and it really came from watching, um, I think it's Adam Dudo work with Marcus Mariota here a, a couple of summers ago uh, about the warm up being something that's that, that they do in football. You know, it's not just like, arm circles for 10 seconds and then it's you know uh i don't know what what else do we do karaoke's or whatever it is it's actually using you know drill work where we're actually taking drops and then as we're cooling off you know we may take drops for say uh 25 seconds and all of a sudden we're walking back across the field and then we're doing some kind of rotator cuff warm up and then boom we're going to go work the other side of our drops and then we're going to walk back and we're going to do rotator cuff warm-ups and so developing uh some kind of routine in the morning has been great for us because we do practice at 7 a.m and getting those guys the whole body you know warmed up and their minds ready to go that's been good um you know we also do a lot of things with our rpos so identifying um we use a lot of cans, so like trash cans, flip them upside down for one of the periods. Myself and one of the GAs will play defensive, whether it's, uh, you know, linebackers or force defenders, and we're going to line up there and just making sure that the quarterbacks are identifying the right guys uh, who we're reading. Um, if there's certain pressures that's going to make us kind of change what we're going to do with our RPOs or our protections, um, you know, making those necessary changes and doing it in a – game like real tight setting so it's not you know seeing the front identifying your guy on the back end taking your sweet time and you're getting 30 seconds to do this now we're trying to do this all within about eight to ten seconds you know and making it a game like 
uh, time and situation and giving those looks. So a lot of a lot of the, I would say, preseason camp drills is just making sure those guys understand the concepts, the schematics, uh, making sure their eyes are right and getting their feet right uh, to get going. Once preseason camp kind of shuts down and then we get into the season, you know, we're always going to have, we have a routine. So it's morning, we're going to do the warm up and we have two special teams period. The first special teams period has to do with, um, you know, whether it's pocket mobility or RPO throws or scrambles, sprints and keepers, um, you know, all these different types of drills, we're going to pick one per day and it kind of progresses through the week. we pick one per day. And then the second indie period is more of a mental thing. So it's either we're doing versus the cans, kind of getting our eyes right with our protections and our RPOs. It could be corrections off of some things that maybe happened early on in the practices that we weren't just comfortable with, or they had questions with and just kind of review. Uh, we'll also do some scramble drills in that period too. Um, sometimes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the, what we do, I guess, if that's what you're asking, yep. kind of the, the, the game plan for uh, preseason versus during the season. And then in the preseason too, you know, a lot of the drills are really uh, install um, driven. So if say we're going to work on a lot of four verts and we're going to tag, you know, the nine routes on the outside and we specifically land those nine routes in press man at a certain yardage, and an off man at a certain yardage, we'll put the trash cans out there. We'll do cans. They are throwing buckets, you know, to mm-hmm. the land, uh, to the land, the, the drop zone. So um, if we're going to work a lot of back shoulder throws that day, where it's kind of a little bit shorter that, you know, seven step back shoulder throw for the, the receiver. And it's that quick three throw to the back shoulder that ha- happens at about seven and 17 to 19 yards. Then we'll go ahead up and set up a drill for those back shoulder throws. If we're doing a lot of, keepers and you know sprint ups that day uh and that's the install for the day then we're going to do a lot of keepers and sprint ups so a lot of the things that we do drill wise in fall camp really gets driven and it mimics what the install looks like coach you mentioned a lot of of some of those vision drills and and being able to to make the right Mm -hmm. decisions in in what you just talked about there uh early on we talked about just the variations we start to see in coverages and techniques etc how do you teach your guys, you know, what, I guess, what's the, the classroom portion of, of that look like in, in teaching these guys the decision-making process within your offense? Okay, perfect. So it, it's happening right now, right? We got two freshman quarterbacks that are in, so we get to go back to ground zero and I have the other quarterback come in um, and kind of just get refreshed. But it, it really is, it's a, it's a neat thing that, that, Rolo did, you know, our head coach kind of started off and it's been great. So we'll take, well, first, we'll, what we're going to do, we're going to teach coverages. A lot of times I think we assume that every quarterback knows what these coverages are. Well, in fact, they don't, you know what I mean? They might just know what a cover two is and what a base quarters is and what man to man, you know, they don't understand the variations that they can see. So we'll go through all the different coverages. We talk about definitions of what we call them. And why, I think explaining why is huge, especially this day and age for those guys to know why we call it that and what that is. I mean, we just saw a clip, I think Brett Favre talked about at some kind of forum the other day that he had to ask Ty Detmer, like, what is 
what does that nickel mean? You know what I mean? So, and that's Brett Favre, you know, he played, he was a hall of famer and, and that happened. So I think as a, as a, as a college coach, we got to not assume that these guys know more than they do. So we go through all the little things. Um, we also go through fronts. We'll go through different blitzes and the definitions and also our terminology, you know, what does a two-on-one defender mean? And we explain it to them. So when we get into the season, we get into camp, it's not just saying words all of a sudden these guys are like, wait, what, are, what is he talking about? You know, we, we want to limit that. So we'll talk through all the definitions we get through that. Then we'll introduce, you know, the base concepts of what we do. And we have those guys draw up versus each coverage that we see. Okay. And so they start understanding um, why do the receivers run this certain route versus cover three? And why do we read that specific defender? Because we put that person in a bind. Then what we do is on a scale from one to three, we'll rate it. Okay. Meaning what one, I don't really like it. Two, it's okay. Three, I love it. It's foolproof. Okay. Zero is like, coach, please don't ever call that play again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so what happens is these guys now understand it's driven by their own mind of why this certain play is not good versus this coverage. They've drawn it up. They've looked at it and they've got to say, you know what, coach, I don't like this play because we're running a curl flat combination. They're running cover two. They got a guy in the flat. They got a guy in the hook. Where am I going to throw the football? Perfect then that means you should get away from it backside. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then they start understanding themselves of why certain combinations work and why they don't work. And what they can start doing is eventually down the road, we're in a game. They can say, coach, they're really showing us this, but they're giving us this. Can we get to this, this, and this? Now you're cooking with fire or cooking with some, you know, some real fire right there when the quarterback's saying coach and the receivers are coming back and saying the same thing. So that, I think that's an interesting thing that we started doing that makes these guys understand what they love, what they don't like. And now, because we all know, you know, you don't have three seconds in the pocket. You're lucky you got about two, two and a half. So now they can say, I can move off this concept and get backside sooner because I know versus this coverage, this concept in a two by two set, it's not going to be good. I'm off of it. Or oh, this concept versus this coverage that's coming up, I love it. So I know I can play with this guy versus his own, or I love this matchup in man to man. I'm really going to be able to hold my eyes with that safety and really give this guy a chance for a great run after catch when he, you know, cause I love this matchup. So I think um, those are things that we do early on with our guys that kind of gives them a, I guess, understanding of when we get into the season of, okay, we're playing Fresno state, they're running this coverage. Oh shoot. We're not going to run this play. You know what I mean? Right. And what it does is I think it also limits, you know, players coming off the field and just being like, why are we running this play? This play's awesome. Yeah, well, it was awesome versus the last team because they played this coverage. We're not going to run it versus these guys. You know what I mean? So it gets them out of a, a negative mentality to a positive one of, hey, coach, let's get this play going. Let's roll. You know, so they start calling for plays, which is awesome. Yeah, I love it. Uh, understanding is is uh, such a key to offense. And like you said, when you could get everybody on the same page with that, I think it's huge. So a very good process there. Coach, the other process really I want to touch on is the evaluation process. And quarterbacks can be evaluated and probably are evaluated so many different ways, probably more than any other position. Mm -hmm. But for you, what are you going to focus on uh, to, to help determine 
you know, playing time to help determine who the starter is if you're faced with that situation. Uh, what are you looking right. at both informally and formally in the evaluation process? Right. You know, for uh, we're going into year four and, and two out of the four years, you know, we had question marks of who the starter is going to be going into camp. So it's perfect. You know, you want to uh, ask our process. Really, we grade and chart every play in the competitive setting leading up to the first game. So it goes from, from practice one in fall camp all the way through, you know, probably Thursday of game week. And what we're charting is, it's and, and we're grading, it's team, it's seven on seven, it's half line, and we even chart their throws in a, a one-on-one drill. So um, the way that we grade things has to do with decision-making and the throw, and we get the pass results. And we chart it every, uh, every day, you know, those guys get to see what they gridded out at after every practice. Uh, since we practice in the mornings, we'll meet in the afternoon. So by the afternoon, it's up on the board. Uh, they get to see individual. They get to see as a whole unit where we are. And like I said, the standards are in the meeting rooms of where we got to be. Okay. So they get to measure themselves, not just against the other quarterback. They get to measure themselves against what the standard is. And I think when they understand just like golf, when they understand that the standard is this, it's not against, say, John, or it's not against Gary. The standard has to be this, okay? Because if John is throwing 62% and I'm throwing 63 well, shoot, I'm better than him. Yeah, but that's not good enough to win football games, which you're trying to get it to 68%. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's good for those guys to see visually where they stand stacked up against each other but also where we need them to be for the standard for us to win football games, which is ultimately the, the goal. Um, and we break it down, you know, day by day, but then it's also a weekly total. Uh, it'll be a full camp total. And so those guys know where they're at. And if at any times, you know, they want to know, uh, well, I don't, I don't know if that's correct. Then we'll sit in with some extra media time and our GA does a great job of plugging in, you know, every rep and we have a little cut up for each guy and it builds throughout the camp and throughout practices. So we can go through all the situations and uh, that's what I like to do too. I mean, the way we do things here for meetings, the quarterbacks and receivers, we meet all the time together. So it's one voice, whether it's coach Rolo in the room, going through the film, uh, whether it's myself, whether it's our receivers, coach Andre Allen, they can hear quarterbacks can hear what the receivers have been told. Receivers can hear what the quarterbacks are being told. And then those two guys can have discussions because sometimes some things on the field and it shows up on the film and all of a sudden they forgot to talk to one another and they say, Hey, John, what did you see there? And they can talk through it. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's been good for us. And that's how we kind of, we, we grade those guys. They know where to stand. Uh, but then at the same time too, though, I'll have, individual meetings where we can just watch their reps and go through a little bit more of the details of what they need to get cleaned up. Um, but when it's all said and done too, though, I think, you know, what gets overlooked that the numbers don't show a lot of times is how does the team react when certain quarterbacks are in the, in the huddle mm -hmm. when they're on the field, you know, what is their body language saying? What is, what words are they using? You know, does the, the, does the offensive lineman, do their face light up? or do they drip down when that guy's in there? You know what I mean? And right. I think that's something that, you know, I got to 
uh, keep an, an eye out for. And Coach Rolovich has a great feel for is how does the team rally around certain guys. Um, and then the other thing that I look for is just when the ball ends up in the end zone consistently, who's the guy back there? Because that's all that matters is getting that football in the end zone. It doesn't matter if we throw it in there. It doesn't matter if we hand it off because it's all decision-making, especially with the RPOs, right? So who puts the football in the end zone? And this guy might throw 68%. The other guy might throw 72%. But the 68% uh, passing uh, completion guy, he puts the, end, the ball in the end zone two out of three times each day. Guess what? That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got to go with that guy. So uh, the numbers tell one story, but at the same time, too, we got to look at it holistically. Yes. And, at the, and what the offense is supposed to do, score points. So if that guy's in and they're scoring points, guess what? That's the guy. <laughs> He's doing something right. Coach, you guys are doing a lot of great things. Uh, the results show you guys were number nine nationally in 2018 in passing. Um, and you described a lot of great ideas, a lot of great coaching thoughts here. But if I were to say, Coach, what's the one thing you do that really gives your guys the winning edge, what would that be? Um, the keys to the car to make plays and flexibility. I think we do a good job as an offense to give them guidelines, not just rules, and also understand that sometimes just ball players make plays and you got to be happy with that. Listeners, follow Coach on Twitter at Coach Stutzman. That's S-T-U-T-Z-M-A-N-N. We'll put that in our show notes as well. Coach, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us on the podcast. It was well worth the wait uh, to, to finally get a, a Hawaii interview, but you did a great job here today, and best of luck to you and uh, the Rainbow Warriors in 2019. Hey, thank you very much for having me on. I had a blast. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.